Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion team. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is Bustin' Loose Baseball with Grant and Danny. Interviews, analytics, and analysis on everything baseball in the nation's capital. Bustin' Loose Baseball is back after a respite. We took a hiatus, but we are back and we are ready to go. I got bad news. I got good news. Bad news is Danny is not with me for Bustin' Loose Baseball. Uh, he has some things going on. He is a busy boy, but he will be contributing to the program still. It's not like he's gone completely and forever. But the good news is I got my guy Toby Altizer. Are you guys here on 106.7 The Fan? He is a baseball mark. He loves the Nats. He knows ball, and he is fun to chat with, and he's going to be with me moving forward here talking ball with you guys to give you the best, most regular podcast that we can multiple times a week here on the Nationals. It's a big time for the Nats. They're playing good baseball at the big league level. The system uh, is and more important, what's going on in the minor leagues right now that it's been in years. we got a draft coming up where they got the second pick, which is critical in July at the All-Star break. So things are moving and shaking here, and we need to be breaking it down on Busting Loose Baseball. Toby, say hello to the people. Tell them a little bit about your Nats fandom and background. Yeah, it's good to talk to you guys. Grant, it's fun uh, catching up and talking baseball with you, of course. Yeah, grew up a Nats fan, grew up in the area, worked in Milwaukee for a little bit, so covered the Brewers out there, but always follow the Nats. 2019 is one of my favorite memories as a as a sports fan, period. So hopefully we can get back to that soon. But like you said, the boys are playing good baseball this year, unlike what we could say at times last season. So it's fun to watch these guys, and hopefully they can continue to parlay all this into success down the road. Yeah, even with the series loss in Miami, and it's been back-to-back one-run losses to start that series as they play matinee baseball as we record this podcast here on Thursday. You know, they are four games out of the wild card, which is pretty amazing. And I don't say that as if we're going to be watching the scoreboard to see if they make the playoffs. I have no delusions of grandeur here. That's silly. But 
even with these back-to-back one-run losses, it's indicative of kind of how they've played. They've lost a lot of close games among the 25 setbacks this year. They have been ultra-competitive. Their run differential is minus 22. That's better than the Phillies, who spent a lot of money this offseason, brought in Trey Turner. That's way better than the Marlins, who they're competing with in these series right now, who they're only four games back of after losing to them twice. It's kind of on par with the Mets, who had the biggest offseason and spent the most money, who are sub-500 themselves. So the expectation coming into the year that they were going to be horrendous, that after watching this team stink for the last few years and and the product last year, Toby, which was borderline unwatchable with you know, hits just didn't turn into outs, right? I mean, contact oftentimes led to errors and, and issues on the base paths. It's a much more compelling, legitimate, credible brand of baseball right now as they're hanging around 500 since the first week when they were one in six. They are legitimately a 500 ball club with more runs scored than allowed. Like, who saw that coming over a six or so week stretch here? Yeah, and I think it's important for these guys. You know, we're going to talk about the development of some of these guys and the the young guys in the order and in the rotation. I think it's important for these guys to be playing competitive baseball. Like you said, they're not far out of a playoff spot right now, but we're not foolish enough to think that they're actually going to make the playoffs. But they're playing baseball that matters right now. And I think that's important for these guys to learn that, hey, listen, you're in the big leagues now. You need to learn how to be a big league ball player, but you're also learning how to compete at a high level and learning how to play for a playoff spot. I think it's important for these guys. And, you know, going into the season, I didn't think that this team would be in as many ball games as they have been. I mean, it's, I, I thought early in the season that Davey Martinez almost had to manage two different games when they were in a game, manage it like you're almost in a playoff environment. Cause I didn't feel like they were going to be in a whole lot of baseball games, maybe out of a seven game stretch, they'd be in three or four of them, like a one or two run ball game, but they've been in, just about every ball game, every night, close going into the late innings. So it's been impressive to watch this team really take a step forward from last year to this year. And you're seeing guys grow at the major league level. You've seen Josiah Gray take the next step in his career. And hopefully we can see some of these young guys continue to do that. But this team is playing good baseball right now. It's not necessarily winning baseball yet. It's not competitive playoff baseball yet, but they are playing good baseball. Yeah, they're better than the expectation, and it it sounds kind of silly, but it has been refreshing. I'm enjoying watching them. It was a chore last year to watch this team. It really legitimately was. I remember I would be sitting there for, at times, you know, before the pitch clock, three and a half, four hours watching these games, and my wife would say, you're just, you're furious. Like, what are you doing? And I was like, this is what I, what do you want me to do? This is, I watch baseball every night. It's not that anymore. They're playing defense they're, they're getting starting pitching uh they're, they're not getting the timely hitting consistently that i want but they're on base a lot you know if you actually look at some of the numbers in terms of base hits and how often you have base runners they're in the the top not only third but you know pretty elite quarter of the league it's just that they're not scoring runs at the rate because they don't have the power which we could dive into in a little bit uh but we might as well actually start looking into some of the building blocks here you just referenced josiah gray so Toby, let's go to the pitching side of things first uh, and start with Gray. He's been an awesome revelation. What what a development this has been this year, a jump forward. Remember, he gave up home runs to the first two batters of the season. If you take those two at-bats out of the equation and just start his year with his third batter, his ERA is barely over two. And for the year, it's 2.7 and nine starts. 52 innings and 49 hits, which is a very good sign. You want fewer hits than innings pitched. 
52 innings and 45 strikeouts. So not quite a punch out per inning. You'd like a front or middle of the rotation starter probably to miss a few more bats. But here's the thing. He has had games where he's gotten tons of swing and misses. He's had a 20 swing and miss game where his slider was less hittable than any other slider in baseball over the last several years, other than three or four outings from guys like uh, Jacob DeGrom and, and Corbin Burns and some Cy Young caliber arms. His whip 1.3 is the, the best uh, among the, the young starters for this group team. His average against is 246, which is now dipped under Mackenzie Gore. Uh, after last year when he led the league in home runs allowed, Toby, and there was some concern about fly ball rate, it's more ground balls, it's less deep fly balls, and the home runs have completely fallen off. Josiah Gray looks like a real deal middle of the rotation starter for them. Yeah, I mean, what he's shown this year has been a very big step forward from last season. And my big thing for him coming into this year was I wanted to see consistency because there were points last season where you'd see a flash and you're like, that guy can be a really good major league starter. And then he'd follow it up with a stinker and couldn't make it out of the third or fourth inning after having given up a couple home runs. This year, you've seen more of that consistency and I think he's talked a little bit about this, where the trade kind of threw him off a little bit. Last year, he really got to experience being a full-time Major League starter, and now you're seeing him take that step forward. And I think this goes to a lot of the young guys, and you're seeing it with Gray. We got spoiled with guys like Soto and Harper coming up and immediately having an impact for the ball club and really establishing themselves as a starter and really as a star at the Major League level. But I think for the majority of players – that aren't of that caliber, you almost have to establish, establish yourself as a major leaguer, and then you can take that next, next step. And I think that's what we saw with Josiah Gray last year is he established himself as a major league starter. Now we're seeing him realize what he is as a major league starter and take that next step of growth. And it's been very encouraging because I thought he was, you know, a three or a four type middle of rotation guy, like you mentioned, but what he's shown so far this season, maybe he could be even a little bit better than that. Yeah, I think the hope when they acquired him, and remember, Josiah Gray came over with Kbert Ruiz from the Dodgers as one of their top pitching prospects with their, at the time, top catching prospect in the deal for Max Scherzer and Trey Turner. And when they brought him in, internally what they hoped was they just added a number two starter. I don't think they thought there was a, an ace ceiling. Uh, and, and as we've seen, as good as he's been, I, I don't know that he's got that gear, right, where he goes out and he, he pitches seven innings and punches out 12 or 13. You know, not every team has a guy like that, by the way. But maybe that's not the upside. But they thought if things click, he could be a number two starter with a, a high twos, low threes ERA who could strike out about a batter per inning. And frankly, that's what he's been this year. And what I really like about him, Toby, is he is pitching right now. And that sounds silly to say. But I was texting with someone who works with the Nationals in the organization in their front office uh, about him after his start. And they, they were talking about how he pitched his butt off in this most recent outing against the Marlins where he didn't have his best stuff. You know, he was out there and you thought, uh, I'm not sure. And last year that might be five innings, five runs. And it was seven innings with one Ernie. That's the kind of development we've seen where he is adding and subtracting. There's pitchability. I think the cutter has been tremendous for him. The numbers haven't always been great. That pitch has been barreled occasionally. But the addition of the cutter has been significant. Fastball command, much improved. He's not just kind of throwing the ball over the plate, but he's hitting a mitt. He's hitting quadrants. He's keeping it out of the fat part of the strike zone. Last year, about 19% of his fly balls became homers. This year, that number is only about 9%. 
Last year, 33% of batted balls against him were ground balls. This year, that number is 44%. He's been able to to buckle down a little more with runners on. He stranded 80% of runners last year. That's up to 85%. And frankly, I'm not sure how sustainable that is. You know, the K rate's down from a little over 9 to about 7.7 per 9, a trade-off you'll take for all of the other uh, advancements. But I think there's more in the tank in terms of swings and misses and strikeouts. And again, the fact that he's gone from giving up 2.3 home runs per nine last season to 0.85 this year is the entire story. Yeah, he's shown some real resilience. And like you said, he's becoming more of a pitcher and not just a thrower in that even when he doesn't have his best stuff, he can just find something that works for him that day, get outs. And really, again, Nationals fans have gone through times where they've seen elite pitching. And just think about some of those Max Scherzer starts where he was struggling. He didn't have his best stuff. And he would still find a way to give you six or seven strong innings and keep your team in the ball game. And that's what Josiah Gray has done this year. He's taken that next step where even if he takes the mound and his A-plus stuff isn't with him, he'll just find a way to work through it, find a way to get outs and keep the team in the ball game. And this year, like you said, the big thing for him is last year when he would struggle, he'd leave it over the middle of the plate. Next thing you know, he's given up a couple home runs and he's leaving early. This year, he's found a way to avoid the fat part of the plate and keep the ball in the ballpark and found a way to get outs. And I think what we've seen so far from Josiah Gray, some of it's unsustainable, like you said, stranding all the runners and different things like that. But I think we're seeing him take that next step and really grow as a major league starter. I'm excited to see what he can really become. He's Toby Altizer. I'm Grant Paulson. This is Boston Loose Baseball taking inventory on the Nats here in the middle of May. Uh, Gray, by the way, expected ERA about one run higher than what it's been. It's 2-7. It should be 3-7 according to the numbers. And his FIP is even higher than that. Uh, so th- there's a regression probably coming, and that's fine. Uh, the point is he's been really, really good. If you look at some of the percentiles via baseball savant, expected batting average, 61st percentile. Barrel percentage, 65th. Hard hit percentage, 73rd. Average exit velocity, 78th. What you see there is a guy who is um, pitching like a, like I said, a a middle-of-the-rotation type starter, which is what they were hoping for. Now let's talk Mackenzie Gore coming off of a a five-and-a-third-inning outing against the Marlins. Did give up five hits and four earned runs, was victimized by a long ball. Has seven strikeout outing uh, added to the ledger. So now for his season... He comes into his next start sitting with a 370 RA, 46 innings, and 58 strikeouts, a 251 average against the bugaboo for him early in the year. And to his credit, this has gotten a lot better the last three times out. He was walking way too many batters, only walked one, two, and two in his last three starts against the Diamondbacks, Mets, and Marlins. So the, the walk rate has come down, but he has not gotten deep into these recent starts. Four innings against the Mets. He threw a ton of pitches, a lot of foul balls. Uh, he had a five and a third inning out, as I said, against Miami. There was a start, a couple starts before the Mets outing, where at home he, he struggled to get deep into the game. Early season against the Angels had a short outing. He's only 24. He's kind of in the year that Gray was in last year, Toby, where this is his first full like get comfortable year in the big leagues. I think that's important to remember. Your thoughts on Mackenzie Gore so far? Yeah, and I think that's a great point, and that's why I brought it up with Josiah Gray. He's a year behind. I know we kind of lump all the young guys in together, but he's a year behind Gray in that sense, and that this is his first full season of really getting to experience being a major league starter. So I think he's trying to find himself a little bit, and 
if you've watched Gray starts, you just see the potential every time he takes the mound, blowing guys away with a fastball. He's got good breaking balls. I'd like to see him mix in the changeup maybe more against right-handers. I think that's the issue right now with Gray or Gore. Like you said, he struggled with walks early. He's found a way to improve that a little bit. But right now, he just can't seem to get guys put away. He gets them to the two strikes, and he just can't necessarily always put them away. They foul a lot of pitches off. But like you said, this guy's still finding himself. This is the first time he's really spent the entire season, or he's going to spend the entire season in a rotation. So he's kind of establishing himself as a major league starter. And I think this works perfectly with Gray, as we just talked about. Gray's more that middle-of-the-rotation type guy. Gore, I think you can see just by watching his starts, has the potential to be an ace, probably a number one, at least a number two for sure, as a guy at the top of a rotation that I think can be competitive for years to come. So I'm excited to see as he continues to grow and continues to get more comfortable at the major league level. Yeah, to your point, I mean, this stuff just a little bit better and a little bit sharper, not only than Josiah, but than, than anyone on the staff and and than most of the young pitchers in ball. I mean, we're talking about a guy with a pretty special skill set here. He's a lefty who sits 95 and can run it up to 97. Uh, He throws four-seam fastball, curveball, slider, and as you said, the very occasional, very rare changeup. On the season, 62% fastball, 20% curve, about 17% slider, and right around 1% change. The fact that he throws the curve in, the slider, does give him three pitches, so maybe the change isn't as pertinent, but as you said, it could help him in matchups and sequentially uh, put him over the top. I think that what's important to note with him, even though the results have not been quite as good as Josiah Gray, the peripherals are a little better. Where I said Gray is maybe due for a regression in terms of some of the numbers, and I love Josiah. I'm not knocking him. You know, Mackenzie Gore, if you look at it in terms of expected ERA and, and FIP and some of those things, it's kind of where he should be. Uh, his his XERA is is 3.8. He's sitting at 3.7 right now. His FIP is the exact same as his earned run average. You know, his expected FIP is better than his current ERA at this moment. So those are just things that I look at as indicators of where are we headed here. You know, do you take some of the luck and, and things that you don't control out of the equation as a pitcher? What should your ERA look like? And his, for the record, you know, better than Gray or anybody else in the rotation. Uh, the strikeout rate, 11.2 per nine, speaks to number one front of the rotation stuff. He's kept the ball in the yard, sub one home run per nine innings, big deal. I do want the walk rate to come down. It has, and I hope we're seeing the beginning of that now. He's even pitched in some bad luck too, Tobe. I mean, he's got a 342 BABIP on the season. You want that right around 300 as league average, meaning basically hitters have been 42 points lucky against him Uh, and the ground ball rate is up from last year with the Padres from 37% to 45%. So there is a lot to like. I think he could be a number one type. He's got the makeup to do it to your point. He's got the stuff, 58 strikeouts and 46 innings. I think ultimately what they would like is if he's your two and let's say Josiah is a three and now you've got guys competing to fill out this rotation, you're getting Cade Cavalli back from TJ next year. Uh, Cole Henry made his first rehab start. We'll talk about that. Uh, He's been outstanding in the minor leagues when healthy. The former second-round pick out of LSU. Jake Irvin has thrown the ball pretty well at the major league level so far, up until the final inning where he got shelled by the Mets. He had been outstanding. Uh, Don't forget, you know, last year's arms, Jackson Tatro, Evan Lee, who got hurt. 
Uh, there are other guys coming in the minor leagues still in this system like Jackson Rutledge. I, I think there's enough there that they feel like they can build a rotation. If they were to draft Paul Skeens at a LSU, you know, there's your number one, or maybe somebody buys this team. Eventually you sign uh, your, your Scherzer of this era and, and your ace comes from outside. Like all of a sudden though, because of how good Gore and Gray have been, doesn't it seem like they're a lot closer than maybe it felt like a year ago? Yeah, definitely, because the way it looks right now, like you said, you kind of just need one more guy. I think you can find a fourth or fifth starter in the in the farm system, or even you could maybe get someone on the bargain free agent. You're really just missing either the number one or number two pitcher. I think Gray is a pretty good number three. Like you said, maybe he could be a number two if you just needed to find a middle of the rotation guy to fill out the order. Or Gore can be a one or a two as well. So depending upon how some of these guys develop, depending upon what Cavalli shows when he comes back and what happens with the draft, you're very close with the pitching staff. And I think you can say that about a lot of the farm system with the 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 Soto trade and what Rizzo has been able to do. Really, there there's a lot of coverage of what is going to be available over the next couple of seasons. You look at House at third base. You look at the outfield. Really maybe you sign a bat or two, but if these guys can develop and they can continue to get these guys ready to go, you know, maybe you plug in a piece or two in free agency and this team, you know, looking three and four years down the road should be competing again in the playoffs. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon. When a thought hits you, I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. That's Toby Altizer. I'm Grant Paulson. It's Bustin' Loose Baseball. We are back. We're going to be giving you multiple pods a week. Sorry for the early season respite here, but as we get ramped up, for not only the draft ahead, but everything going on in the minors and the majors. Uh, wanted to give you a multi-week bust and lose baseball installment. So we're giving you today's to get back on track, uh, and we will be back. So please spread the word about the pod returning. Uh, one other guy I did want to hit, because for the most part here, with all due respect to some of the veterans, uh, we're diving into some of the building blocks, and we can maybe on the next episode talk about you know how the vets are faring and who might be a, a trade chip, whether that be – Trevor Williams or uh, Lane Thomas and, and some of the other guys on this team that have exceeded expectations. But I did mention Jake Irvin. Irvin has really been interesting. Uh, three starts now in an ERA over four, 15 innings. That's a lot about sample size, right? Because his ERA was under one going into the final inning he threw where he gave up six runs in a frame, uh, got removed against the Mets with some inherited runners coming to score. But 14 strikeouts in 15 innings, just 12 hits allowed, He's done a lot very, very well. And in fact, through his first two starts and, and then a few innings into his third start, I mean, people were throwing a party. He threw four and a third one-run innings against the Cubs, then six and a third scoreless with five strikeouts against the Giants, and then ran into the buzzsaw that was a, a Mets lineup that broke out against him. But for people not familiar with his background, I mean, Irvin's 26 years old. He has slowly been working his way toward the big leagues for the Nationals. For years, he's dealt with a lot of adversity. He lost the 2020 season because of the pandemics, didn't get to pitch there. He had an injury where he missed the season, had to come back. He was a fourth-round pick way back in 2018 as a college arm. Normally, you're a couple, maybe three years away, tops from getting to the big leagues, and here it took him 
you know, almost five seasons out of Oklahoma. But now as a 26-year-old, he's here, and he's huge. He's six foot six. He pitches with plane. He pitches right out in front of home, basically home plate where he's releasing the ball with extension. It's a tough at bat. And you've seen early on, he's, he's throwing with confidence. He had the best control, according to Baseball America, in the minor league system. Funny, because his first at bat, he hit a guy. But he kind of settled in. He's thrown strikes. Uh, I've been really, really impressed with just how comfortable, maybe isn't the right word, but like how he carries himself, how confident he is. Uh, I like what I've seen from Jake Irvin so far. That was the first the first thing that stood out to me and the thing that stood out the most in that first outing. He hits Nico Horner first at first pitch in the majors. And then he just looked composed. He comes up next guy up as Dansby Swanson, a Nationals killer, and he strikes him out. And you've seen in his starts, he just looks composed on the mound, even when he gets in a little bit of trouble. And the thing that stood out to me as well is you thought he was just really a two-pitch guy with the fastball and the curveball. He comes up, he's throwing a sinker, he's throwing a changeup, and that's something that you're going to need if you want him to stick in the rotation is to have a couple of pitches that he can depend on as he goes through the order multiple times. You know, maybe he projects more as a bullpen guy because he was primarily a two-pitch pitcher, at least you'd think that, but we'll see with him. I mean, it's been exciting to see. I wasn't, I didn't have sky high expectations for him when he made his debut. I didn't have him sticking in the rotation super long. I thought, you know, maybe he could help out this bullpen at some point, but with how he's pitching right now, they think he sticks in the rotation and we'll see how he does throughout the rest of the season. Yeah. How about 33% fastball, 32% curveball. So basically throwing the curve as much as the heater and then 23% sinkers. So that's like a, a two seam fastball with 11% changeups. That's the, the pitch breakdown for him. So he's already thrown 30 changeups. I mean, to your point, and you're all over it, Toby, I was stunned by that. Like uh, the, the book on him was fastball curveball guy. Now, I understand that four and two seams are both fastballs, but it's essentially two different offerings the way that he throws them. Then you throw in what is a devastating, awesome curveball, getting swings and misses out of the zone, and he has feel for the changeup beyond what I thought. He's thrown a couple that have flashed plus. Like, I, there was a changeup he got a strikeout on. I don't remember exactly which game it was, but he had, like, this demonstrative reaction where he ran over and, and dapped up K-Bert. And that was like a 65-70 changeup. Now, I'm not saying he'll have that all the time, but it, it, it flashes pretty nasty, and it gives you some hope that maybe he could be, you know, with his size and innings-eating kind of back-of-the-rotation type starter. I had penciled him in, to your point, as a reliever uh, before I'd seen him, and, and I'm trying not to overreact to a small sample, but it, it has been impressive. I will give him that. Well, and to your point, I mean, we don't know exactly what he's going to be throughout the rest of the season, but this is why having these guys be able to come up and learn at the major league level, maybe he fills in at the four or five starter, and that's a guy you don't have to go pick up as a free agent down the road. You know, like we said, Gore and Gray are going to be one, two, three, somewhere in there. Now you're just trying to find that fourth and fifth guy throughout the farm system and a guy like Jake Irvin, if he can help you out and become a starter that establishes himself at the back end of the rotation, then you have Cavalli coming still, like you mentioned, Henry. I mean, there's a lot to be excited about with this Nationals team, and you know, Jake Irvin just adds to that. Average exit velocity so far against Irvin, 71st percentile. So he's beaten out 70% of arms. Barrel percentage, 77th. Extension, uh, 89th percentile. That comes from that 6'6 size and where he releases the ball and how close it looks toward home plate. He's not getting chases out of the strike zone at all. He's not really getting swings and misses. His whiff percentage is in the first percentile. So there are some things you look at that worry you, and the regression has begun in some way from what was a sub-1 ERA. But 
if you just, again, like the Nationals, who we talked about, it's not like they're good, but they're way better than we thought. Jake Irvin has been very solid, and this is far exceeding, I think, probably even internally, what they thought would happen when they called him up for a spot start. Uh, anybody else that you want to hit on on the pitching staff that has stood out from a building block standpoint before we move on? Did you want to talk bullpen, Harvey, anything else? Well, I think you mentioned just Hunter Harvey. You see some ups and downs, but maybe he can be something for you in the back end of the bullpen going forward. Maybe he's someone we talk about not long from now as maybe a trade chip down the road, depending. But I think you've seen some guys throughout the season flash bits and pieces. You know, Thaddeus Ward's been up and down as a reliever. He's shown some decent spots and he's been bad. So, you know, I think there's a lot of growth in that bullpen that needs to be had. But, you know, we can get into that another time. Yeah, Hunter Harvey on the year, a 203 average against 21 strikeouts in 19 innings, a whip barely over one. I mean, those are all-star type numbers for the record. Uh, in 18 appearances, he seems to have taken over as their A reliever in biggest spots, seventh, eighth inning. He's pitching, got a save opportunity uh, when they had Kyle Finnegan set up for him a couple of nights ago. So he's definitely ascended for sure. He's a former first-round pick, remember, by the Orioles. So it's not like he's come out of, obscurity or anonymity or anything uh he's not a baby he's 28 years old but he doesn't have a ton of mileage on the arm and so he looks like he's a building block there's a curious case of mason thompson worth maybe throwing out there real quick which is to say he was incredible at the beginning of the year had been arguably the best relief pitcher in baseball for the better part of three and a half weeks and he's kind of been the opposite of that since now i'm high on him the big fella six foot six 25 year old has really good stuff it's been a real struggle lately. I don't know if, you know, they used him too much or he had dead arm or what, but I mean, I'm almost tempted to just, you know, at this point, uh, if he doesn't throw the ball better in his next few outings and look like he's got his stuff back, maybe, you know, give him a phantom IL stint or something. The the numbers on the year are pretty good. 21 strikeouts, 22 innings, a 1.1 whip, you know, ERA a little over four. I don't like ERA as a stat for relievers because you have one bad outing and it kind of skews it for weeks on end. But, uh, but it just hasn't been right lately for Mason Thompson. Yeah, I mean, the thing for Mason Thompson is he used to be the 99 sinker guy that was just overpowering guys, and he kind of dialed that back more so for command. And early this season, pinpoint command. Put the glove there, he's going to hit it. And his stuff is very good, like you said. The problem over his last couple of outings is that command has kind of left him. He's left some pitches over the middle. He's walked some guys. And I think that's been the issue with Mason Thompson. And like you said, I don't know if it's a overuse thing, whatever it may be, but I wouldn't be opposed to if he struggles again, just giving him a couple weeks off to kind of just refocus, recalibrate everything. Because like you said, at the beginning of the year, he was fantastic, struggled a little bit as of late. So maybe it's just a usage thing with Davey Martinez and figuring out where his role is in that bullpen. You mentioned Thaddeus Ward. It's been a mixed bag for the Rule 5 draft pick. But I will just say really quickly about Thad Ward, there's some things to like through 11 outings. They don't use them very often. They pick their spots as evidenced by the fact that, I mean, there, there's guys on the team that have almost twice as many appearances, and he's been in the pen the entire season. Having said that, uh, 14 innings, 15 strikeouts, good sign. He's also a 163 average against. In terms of their relievers this season, there's nobody on the staff that has a lower average against than Thaddeus Ward. So that's telling, and, and that's a good sign. Uh, for a Rule 5 pick who would have been in the minor leagues if he stayed in his previous organization with Boston, I think that's awesome. Problem is he just walks too many guys. Yeah. And we've talked about this off air. Uh, but, I mean, he, he, you know, he's got 13 walks and 14 innings. 
I know uh, our buddy Ryan, who we go to games with and talk to, is a big fan and thinks they should use him more. I can't bring you into a game if you're walking two or three guys in an inning, and that's happened a few times. So until he's consistently throwing strikes and he's not walking anybody, it's just hard to use him in important spots. Yeah, that's the big thing is he walks too many people. You can't really put him in in high leverage spots. And really, with how the Nationals have been playing lately, there haven't been a whole lot of spots where they're down five runs or up five or six runs where they can just throw in a guy that hopefully can eat an inning or two for him. And so that's why Thad Ward hasn't gotten as many appearances as maybe you'd like to see from him. But hopefully he can continue to work on the command because I think his stuff is pretty good. I think if he can get in the strike zone and stay in the strike zone and stop walking, guys, maybe he could be something down the road for you. But he's shown little bits and pieces here and there.